Live from the Motor City, all the way to the Volunteer State, it's time for the Reckless Speculation Podcast, where we recklessly speculate the latest news in the world of sports. From college football to NASCAR, we've got you covered. And don't forget to stick around for the world-famous Bet Your Nuts, where we will give you your best bets to make the most money. Now sit back, grab your favorite drink of choice, and join Robbie Davis, Raj Mehta, Brandon Chain, and Tom Sloan. It's showtime. Welcome, welcome. Thank you guys for joining us on uh, the Sweet 16 Elite 8 edition of Reckless Speculation, where we are going to talk about, well, we're going to give you same some positive news, some bad news. We're going to talk about the recap of the first weekend, the Sweet 16 preview, uh, talk a little bit about Roger Goodell, his new contract, uh, Lamar Jackson situation, uh, the great finish in the World Baseball Classic, and then they never let me get to it, but maybe NASCAR. But anyways, without further ado, I want to welcome our crew. We have uh, Tom Sloan up in Michigan. Good evening, Robbie. Uh, getting ready for the big trip to New York City, are you? Uh, yes, I am. I'm excited. I was telling you in the pre-show, packing makes me the laziest person on <laughs> earth. So uh, I'm going to do that after the show. I'll probably forget a lot of stuff. But all I need is my orange hoodie and my gray pants, uh, <laughs> my my lucky outfit. That's it. Um, we have Brett. We have Brandon Chain. Brandon, welcome to the show. What's going on? I know you're excited for that trip. Um, I'm happy for you. First time in the garden. Yeah. Um, and then we have uh, Raj Mehta. Oh, hey, actually on time. He thought he was late, but he is on time. Look at that. Nah. Hey, hey, hey. It, 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 only, took, it only took three white guys two and a half years to adjust to Indian time. <laughs> Yeah, we I did think I was late. Uh, yeah. That's why it says super late and super bummed. because <laughs> that, That's done intentional. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk, talk about good news first. Um, Tom, we have been on a two-plus uh, two week journey with you, Lilo, uh, and the missing dog. So give us the update. Uh, how is she doing? How's the family doing? How's everyone doing? <laughs> well, uh, we'll start off by saying Lilo is home after a six Lilo, six. Lilo, yep, after a sixteen day uh, adventure throughout the outskirts of Lyon Township, Michigan. Um, we got a call. It was a week ago Sunday. Uh, some guy on a sod farm which is about two and a half miles away from where we live, said... Um, Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you, back up for the people that haven't heard the story. Oh. Tell them where you were okay. whenever she went missing. Yeah. So we were in the, the friendly confines of Chattanooga, Tennessee, having yeah. dinner with uh, you, Robbie, and your lovely wife uh, when I got a phone call from the, our friends that were watching the dog, said that uh, she got off her collar and took off running and... So the saga began. We uh, immediately went back to Robbie's house and packed our stuff and 
got on the road. We were there a day and a half, so nine hour drive back home, and we, you know, we get home about eight thirty the next morning and start searching, and um, we get connected with this woman who's um, a dog recovery service, and, and and all her time is donated, which is amazing. So we pretty much flooded the whole area with 500 plus flyers and we got a lot of phone calls and in two weeks we had, you know, a couple sightings and we knew she was still alive and which was the one thing that kept us motivated. But then when we got the call, like, Oh, you know, we see her, you want to come and get her. We're like, eh, you know, we're not, you know, there's rules in recovery. You can't go and get her. Um, you got to try and trap her. And, um, so we didn't get really excited because we had all kinds of sightings prior uh, so we let the woman know she she goes over to the the farm and basically she sees her and she runs into a barn where at this point she didn't know if it was her she locked her in the barn called us we run make our way over there I do a visual it's her she sees me and she goes crazy so um, 16 days she was gone it didn't look like she ate at all in 16 days. She was very thin, very frail, um, which was pretty tough. I had to pick her up to get her out of the barn. It was so tight, uh, and I was afraid I was going to break her rib cage. But yeah. um, how, how, how's she doing now? She's good. Um, she's eating uh, today's actually the first day that she's on a normal eating plan of two two times a day regular meals. Uh, she was on six small meals, which was really tough. So um, I know she wanted to eat more and more, and we wanted to give her more food, which was pretty tough. But it it could have flipped her stomach if she would have ate too much. But, um, nope, she's back, and she's doing really well. Each day she gets a little bit stronger, and we'll be able to start taking her out on walks again. So a good friend of ours bought us an air tag uh, and a collar for it. So if this ever happens again, God hey, forbid. Get that, get that microchip switch that you're yep. right? Yeah, the woman's actually coming tomorrow and going yeah. to – uh, get everything switched over. So yeah, it it's it was a, a tough two weeks. It interrupted our vacation that we hadn't had in quite some time, and um, but that's well, okay. We'll we'll get down there again real soon. Yeah, it was one of those things where when y'all left, I was like, I mean, I don't know what they can do, and 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 then I started I started losing hope for you guys, and it 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 it, it really is just amazing that she was able to come back and. Uh, I'm glad she is safe and, and yep. back home. And then um, good for you guys. Uh, I, know, I know it meant a, a lot to you guys. As oh, it yeah. would to any dog lover. Yeah, it was so tough. we're going to transition from the good news to the bad news of the <laughs> week. Um, Raj, so tell us about your trip to Columbus. <laughs> yeah, dude. These are all first world problems, but. It started Thursday. You know, USC was tipping off Michigan State uh, Friday at twelve fifteen. Had tickets USC section about ten rows up. Starts out with a paper cut Thursday. Rains the whole way, uh, and then like fifteen miles outside of Columbus, I get the wonderful low tire pressure indicator. Uh, stop at a few hillbilly gas stations and actually owned by Indians, one of them, of course, uh, no matter where you go, doesn't matter how hillbilly, an Indian probably owns a gas station, yay for us. Anyways, the compressor didn't work at one, the other didn't have fix-a-flat. 
Long story short. Hey, 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 y'all also sells liquor. So gas and liquor, you make the world go round. Yeah, dude. And if you need to pass out cheap motels as well, uh, generally choice hotels, like a quality inn or something. But as we pigeonhole further, uh, I got into the graduate uh, uh, string of college hotels. Many of you guys may be familiar with this one decorated in scarlet and gray, which didn't help. And uh, no, I mean, the, the game itself. You know, it was freaking freezing and rained and blah, blah, blah. And um, it just wasn't the USC team I'd hope to see. Uh, one thing USC has when facing a team like Michigan State and Marquette is uh, just sheer athleticism. And arguably, you know, one of the most athletic players in the tournament, uh, five-star seven-footer, uh, Vince Uwakchukwu, did not play. Apparently the back issue, even though he's day-to-day for two weeks, Um he didn't play and it was a shortened rotation and you you just had guys kind of covering and rotating that didn't practice, let alone play a team like the Tom Izzo team. And you just saw a lot of bad fouls and things of that nature. Really what it came down to was Michigan state's defense. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, Oh yeah. So Raj, so on TV, you couldn't really tell because the court, you know, it's the, it's the March Madness court, just Columbus, Ohio. Were y'all at OSU or were y'all at the hockey arena? So we were at the hockey arena, Nationwide Arena. Um, You know, it was remarkable. This is nothing new. In the past, there were a lot of uh, reports of people slipping everywhere. And now, you know, this is nothing new. Staples Center's got ice underneath the court. But I swear, this, you know, they don't play a lot of basketball here. And there was slipping all over. I think I asked you guys if it was apparent on TV. Um... Obviously, that affects both teams, but there were just some critical plays where slips happen. Well, it's funny. So, the SEC tournament was played in Bridgestone where the Predators play, and everyone I was sitting with noticed it's freezing in here. And, like, because the, they have to keep the ice cold underneath. And so, you can't help but think there's some moisture that slips up and into those. Uh, in that court, I don't like them playing in hockey or in hockey arenas again, like Staples. The Kings play there, but that's professional, right? They do that every game, every week. I don't know if the technology is the same, I don't know if they have the same resources, whatever it was. There were critical slips a lot by USC, not because of misfortune, but because of the lockdown guard defense. Um, you, you know, we underestimate. Now, one thing about this tournament that you're going to speak towards is the refs are letting them play for the most part, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, we're going to get to UT bloodying up Duke, literally. <laughs> um, but with Big Ten teams, big guards, um, uh, Walker, Akins, and Hogard, um, uh, Derek Walker, I think. Um, sorry, uh, it's been a long time since I boozed three days in a row, the last two for out of misery. But um, they just shut – down USC's back. Welcome to March. <laughs> Welcome to March, dude. And uh, yeah. yeah, Boogie Ellis, especially a guy who can go for 30 any given night and unlimited range. You know, he had six points and a lot of slips where people like Boogie trying to create and out of desperation. Um, you know, SC was down big in the first. They tied it at the half. Uh, we're a second half team. And, you know, after that, it was just Michigan State left so many windows open, missing front ends of one-on-ones and we just couldn't capitalize. Yeah. And all credit to Michigan State, you know, for Tom Izzo, 
This is his 15th overall Sweet 16, which as a Tennessee fan, USC guy, we're just elated to be there, and this is their 15th. So big ups to them, man. Big ups to to defense and Big Ten defense. I was really impressed. All right. So, Brandon, I'm going to bring you on here because, Brandon, you – Admittedly, you know, you you have been a college basketball fan by watching or being a part of this show. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this was a tournament that not a lot of buzzer beaters, but a lot of upsets. So as a fan or as a viewer, I guess, watching it, obviously Ohio State didn't make it. But as just watching it, what do you think about your overall feel of the first weekend? Yeah, we kind of talked about this a little bit through text the other day, um, or actually on our meeting on Monday. And I've I've watched March Madness for you know several years. It's about the only time I tune into college basketball. Um, as of late, I've started doing a little bit more because of the show. But dude, it, there was a lack of buzzer beaters, and that's typically what you see in March Madness. Are these overtime? You know, buzzer beaters to get it to overtime, or, or buzzer beaters to win. Uh, and you just didn't see a whole lot of that. You just saw, you know, just big upsets and, you know, like FDU over Purdue. Like I was not big on Purdue as, as some of you were. And uh, I knew Guilty as charged. <laughs> I had them going out against Memphis in the second round in the round of 32, but uh, obviously that didn't happen either, but um, did not foresee them going out in the first. And they just, you know, showed how bad Big Ten has been consistently. Now, you look at the opposite side of that, you've got Penn State and Michigan State um, who, who've who done pretty well in the Big Ten. Maryland, you know, they played well uh, their first game too. But, um, yeah, again, to Raj's point, Michigan State, Tom Izzo, when you get him in March, man, he is he's a tough one to beat no matter what the team looks like. And, and I'm going to ask you a question, and and this is this is this is just just while you brought up a good point, and I'm just thinking about it right now, is like the lack of buzzer beaters. Because I remember us growing up, it was it was it seemed like there was a buzzer beater almost every. It was boom All the boom time. boom. Um, is this the metrics of sports taking over, where it's like, oh, two minutes left, we'll foul x shooter because they just shoot certain percentage and then like it, it, a little more of a chess it, match nowadays yeah, essentially yeah has it taken away the fun of more i mean the tournament's always great it it, 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 it will always be great but it seems to have to your point it seems to have changed a little bit to where it's more tactical than randomness it has but i also think it's you know just a lack of opportunity uh, per se, you know, certain situations. If you're, if it's a tight game, you're two points, you know, three points and you've got 10, 15 seconds left. There's not a whole lot of fouls that go on. Uh, I mean, you're trying to run the clock out if you're the the winning team and you're, you're definitely aiming for that three pointer uh, on the opposite side. So the one change I would love to see in college basketball is a timeout advancing at the half court to give teams a chance for sure. late buckets. Um, I'm going from one Big Ten fan to the other. Tom, going to you, the Big Ten, I don't know what to say. You got one team left in out of eight. 
Purdue lost as number one seed. Um, what, what what's your conference saying right now? It, we can't wait till UCLA joins. Yeah, well, I mean, when it comes to basketball, there's no question. Yeah, they're definitely. Uh, relying on UCLA coming in. Uh, you can't sugarcoat it. It's disappointing. And and for me as a Michigan fan, for them to, A, not make the tournament, look so bad this year, and then get bounced to Vanderbilt in the NIT, I, and then Ohio State not making the tournament. I, ju- I just think right now that Big Ten's all bark, no bite, and it kind of proves it with only one team remaining. you got to like what Penn State and Northwestern did, kind of came out of nowhere. Well, and, you know, Penn State coach left to go to Notre Dame. Okay, yep, yep. So yeah. it's, you know, wonder what will happen next year. But, you know, but they played really well. Yeah. They they had they had a you know good first round. I think as a whole the Big Ten did okay in the first round, but then just, you know, fell flat, especially Maryland. I think they were the big disappointment of them all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're supposed to be the SEC in, of basketball, uh, it proved it proved it that they're not right now. Um, you know, it, will next year be any different? I don't know, but it's it's just a poor showing when when the only team left is Michigan State, who you know Tom Izzo was built for March. He's built for this tournament, and he builds his teams as such. So it's you know there's one team left, and they might be playing the best basketball, not name the Tennessee Volunteers. So. But overall, it's 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 a disappointment in my estimation for the Big Ten to be such highly touted every year, and uh, we're in the Sweet Sixteen, and there's just one left, so it's a disappointment. Yeah, yeah Raj, and, and going to you, the other uh, power basketball conference, the ACC, um, another shit the you know the bad whatever. Uh, what, what do you think about what the ACC did this tournament so far? Uh, you know, I, Duke looked like the best team in the country coming in to me. Like I said, they, they refs let them play, and I love that. You got, you know, one common theme among the teams remaining is a lot of veteran, experienced players. And Tennessee, one of the oldest teams at almost 22 years of age. Of course, Plavsic is like 48, but... Uh, you know, Duke, one of the youngest at 19, um, you, you just saw a lot of veteran leadership. And in the ACC, uh, it doesn't scream that to me, except for one team who is still alive and who I'm a big fan of when they're healthy, um, and that's Miami. But overall, you know, I don't think we expected a ton from the ACC. I think they're 6-7 and seven overall. Um, by the way, only one conference is undefeated in this year's tournament. The Who's Ivy that? League, because Princeton's oh, 2-0. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Collectively. That's, that's, yeah, that's a good trivia question. It is a good trivia question. They are 2-0, and thanks to Princeton. Um, but, no, I mean, I think, you know, we are who they thought they were for most conferences, um, except maybe uh, the pack hasn't shown out too well. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the ACC – you know, you have Syracuse down, North Carolina down. Uh, Pittsburgh had an okay team, but it just seemed like a weak conference. And it's it's kind of showing if you don't challenge yourself in a conference, this is what's going to happen. Um, Full disclosure, I'm usually like you on every game. And, uh, you know, when your team's in the game, you kind of – a few brews are involved. So I didn't get as 
quite in-depth as others, but I did watch a lot of the games Thursday from my car, including a game you're bringing up shortly, I'm sure. Yeah, all right. So we're going to do – Speaking of ACC, Virginia. Right? Well, so I'll just just go – Tony Bennett has had a fantastic regular season career and somehow won a championship and has had a terrible postseason career. It's like uh, the it, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like the one year wonder. It's like, yeah, I'm good now. Like it, it's like the you just it almost win the lottery. Maybe that is the best way to explain it. He won the lottery, you know. Uh, that championship, he's had terrible, terrible, terrible tournament failures. And Matt Painter's on that same uh, path, too. It's going to be interesting. And Cal's in the hot seat, too. We'll talk about it later. I don't want to monopolize my college basketball time. We're talking about the Sweet 16 preview. Um, we're going to get with the East first because um, we have – you know, the Vols in there, and that's, you know, a lot of our listeners. Uh, Raj, you watch probably more uh, Vols basketball than anyone I know besides me. You know the matchup. We have uh, Florida Atlantic. Now on the bottom side, Kansas State and Michigan State. Uh, for me, I worry about – this point guard from Kansas State, but I don't want to get ahead of myself thinking we're going to beat Florida Atlantic, but I wish Ziegler was here to kind of match that. Hopefully that's not an emergency. Um, Raj, did you hear me? And what do you think about that? I did. Um, you, you know, unfortunately it is going to come down to a lot of the refs. If they let them play, then I don't see any way that one of the shortest teams in basketball, FAU can beat an experience bruising Tennessee team, you got one of the shortest teams in the country facing a team that has four guys that are 6'6 or taller. Um, If Tennessee does go on to play Michigan State, and I do think Michigan State will beat Kansas State, I think it's a bad matchup for Kansas State. Again, those three guards, especially Tyson Walker, um, who is going to lock up with Marquise Noel, the the diminutive point guard for Kansas State, but but he makes the engine go. you know, the horsepower he, maybe with great. Deontay Johnson. Oh, he's a great player. Great player. But um, you saw another great player in the Big East Player of the Year, um, the, the Marquette point guard, uh, Tyler Kolick. And uh, like I said, Boogie Ellis just shut down. They're taking them away. And um, you got one guard in this particular situation, um, even if state. Now, being said, I did see some ugliness come out of some of those shots. Uh, both Marquette and Michigan State, where I don't see that as much from Tennessee. Uh, but again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, I think Tennessee and Michigan State, if it happens, will be just old school, almost like, ironically, the Big East, Georgetown and Villanova just beating the crap out of each other um, and would be a great matchup, both personnel-wise and coaching-wise. Um, you know, if you're a Tennessee fan, I know you're like me. We, when things are going too good, we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You gotta love how things have shaken out thus far. I think we were all surprised by what they did to Duke, and really, 
you said the S word before they beat the shit out of them. Literally. Um, Filipowski was reminiscent. You weren't born yet of 1992 and Eric Montrass from North Carolina bleeding from his face. Um, it, it was beautiful basketball, <laughs> especially from Kamwa representing that, you know, with 27, how many did he have? Like just, uh, three in the second half. Yeah. yeah 23 yeah. Out of set 27. Yeah. And what does that tell you? So, I mean, if you're Tennessee, you know, I know you're the host, but I got to ask you, you know, what are your thoughts on their run this far on the matchup with Florida Atlantic contrasting styles? And, um, who do you think if they win, of course they would face? Um, yeah, so, well, one, I think this is a, uh, and, and anyone who ever knows me or seen the show, I love Rick Barnes. I think this has been a great coaching job. Get them to the Sweet 16. Look, they went to Duke and they said, we are going to be men against your boys. And they did that. And that was a great game plan. It worked. And I don't want to hear about the refs nonsense. Look, no one ever cries about Duke getting getting not getting foul calls. That's nonsense. <laughs> um, and then moving forward, uh, yeah, I think we should win. Uh, am I nervous? Of course. Um, because th- they're a team that shoots a lot of threes. We have the best three-point defense in the country, so the matchup seems well. Uh, my fear is anything point guard play uh, – I've said it all year long. All we need is one player to go with Santee. That's it. Just one player to play well with Santee. Our defense can hang and we can win. Um, and then and then moving to the next field, uh, it sounds crazy to ever, ever ask for Michigan State in the tournament. But, look, as many gray hairs as Izzo has, Rick Barnes has too, and that kid, that point guard from Kansas State, freaks me out. He he's smooth, he's quick, and that's exactly what you don't want from a tough, tall, physical team. I'd rather man up with Michigan State and let men play men than not not not, not degrading the guy from Michigan State, Kansas State, obviously. But he's just he, he's the Kai Ziegler for them, and I don't want yeah. that because without Ziegler. What, they yeah. present more macho problems. Yeah, I've There's seen no what Ty does to other teams like that. So um, I'm pretty confident uh, to go to the lead eight. And then, hey, if if we go to the Final Four, it's our first one ever. Um, I'm going to need to borrow some money from all you guys to go to Houston. But, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I hope it happens for your sake, but the irony of it all as well, like – all these good teams that we all thought were going to go far, and then this one loses – you know, probably the, the guy that spearhead, you know, the guy that 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 makes them charge. And then suddenly things are kind of unfolding pretty nicely so far. All so right. All right. we've, we've been yapping. All right. All right, Brandon, get on here. Brandon, sorry. Get on here. You're good. No, I just wanted to uh, touch on UT a little bit, too. Um, I'm not a UT fan, obviously, but I do respect them and I respect Rick Barnes. And I think we need to respect the – the minor details in this game of the physicality against Duke. Like, like you said, it was men versus boys, but not only during play was it physical, it was physical when the whistle was blown, like in between every play, they were bumping elbows. I mean, these guys were leaning on them. 
letting them know they were there. Like it, it literally was physical through in and throughout. And that's what really surprised me. And I, I think that just took a toll. I mean, these guys just got kind of defeated and, you know, they just couldn't hang. The defense was too strong. You guys were too physical. And like Ross said in the beginning, I thought Duke was one of the best teams coming out of this conference in the East. And, man, Tennessee, if they play that way, and they had a couple guys get hot on some threes, and, dude, you guys can you guys could go far for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we've had potential, and – yeah, now it's just it's got to all click. I, I like this. You know, the thing that the thing that gives me hope is look, these are kids playing in Madison Square Garden. This is their biggest moment, um, and defense wins over offense in these moments because it's easier mm-hmm. to play defense. There's less For pressure sure. to play defense than offense. Well, you look how many opportunities were given from the defensive side in transition and turnovers during that Duke game because of, yeah. you know, Duke turned the ball over like 12 or 15 times the first half, which is was not like them uh, as of late anyway. So, it, yeah, if you guys stay physical like that, I mean, I think Rick Barnes knows his team well. And he knows his strengths and weaknesses. So, all right, Brandon, you stay on. Tom, you get on. Hop off for a second, and then I'll come back on. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at that. Oh, oh shoot, sorry, I uh, wrong guy. I sorry, Brandon, I cut you off. I didn't mean that. Hey, um, I I look at the UT game, uh, the last round there, like a, a team I kind of cherish. Uh, the old school Detroit Pistons bad boys era. Mm-hmm. Every point Duke had, they have to earn it. Um, that was old school defense. That was, um, if you drive the lane, you're going to feel it. If you go up hard for a rebound, you're going to feel it. And Filipowski took that elbow. And within like five minutes, I remember us texting back and forth. I'm like, I don't know how this guy comes back in. He looked like he got hit with a right hook from Mike Tyson. His mm-hmm. eyes started to swell up, and and kudos for him for sticking it out and going out there and continuing the play. But uh, they made it known that hey, if you want to get that rebound, it, you're going to feel it. So it was really really cool for me. I, I, I like good defense. Um, this whole you know up and down the court scoring left and right that's not my thing. I I, I can appreciate a team that will give it their all on the defensive end, uh, which mm-hmm. usually leads to uh, some good offensive uh, output. But, I mean, it, it was a very low-scoring game for the most part. But uh, Tennessee took it off, you know, towards the late in the second half. And I think it was a result of the physical play and, and knowing that uh, nothing was going to come easy. And, and, and they, they took them off their game. And this is Shiler's first run. First year as the Duke coach, sure. so you got to look at experience level. Would it have been yeah, di- would it have been different with Coach K? Who knows? But I, I think the inexperience shined in this round. It did, and I, I don't think he knew how to react to that and try and you know make in in time real time changes during that situation. And also, kudos to the refs, you know, for actually allowing them yeah. to play, uh, allowing that physicality because. Uh, you know, I, I haven't watched as many games as, as 
these other guys and, and probably yourself um, during the year no. in the season, but, you know, they, they were not whistle happy for the most part. And no, I, I really like to see that. Like you said, it did remind me, uh, you know, the, the late nineties back in the day um, of that physicality. So it's fun to watch. And I think, you know, if they could bring that back on a regular basis, it, it would, would, I would, Definitely be more interested. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like squeak, 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 three-pointer yeah. score. Squeak, yeah, squeak, squeak, and three-pointer score. And unfortunately, that's what the games kind of come to. You you get four guys sitting out on the perimeter, and you got your your big who's really not a big who's camping out by the, the free-throw line. So, you know, where's the extra, uh, you know, offensive rebounds coming in? You just don't get it. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Like, if the refs stay out of this, I, I think it makes it more competitive play, and especially for some sure. of these these uh, you know later seed teams that that are really relying on runs, and they're not used to being on the big you know circuit. So I think a lot of them get a little handsy, and when these refs are letting them play, they they have a shot. So it's it's definitely been uh, fun to watch that that Tennessee game was just I mean right up my alley. I I, I enjoyed wow. the hell out of it. Me too. Even though I had Duke, I still I, yeah. I was hats off to UT for that. Absolutely. Yeah. What a what a dummy. Who picks Duke? Anyway, <laughs> who picks Purdue to win it all? Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, and just to touch on the point y'all made, um, this is a tournament that's showing that essentially the one and done teams aren't winning. You look at Tennessee, FAU, Kansas State, Michigan State. UCLA, Gonzaga, UConn, Arkansas, uh, Texas, Xavier, Houston, Miami, Princeton, Creighton, San Diego State. They're not doing one and dones. And yeah, there's yeah, F U Alabama. But <laughs> they're they're the mo- majority fifteen of the sixteen teams that are left are building programs. And that's what college sports should be about. Um, so we ran a little long. So we're going to do a little bit rapid fire uh, in the South, guys. Uh, Tom, I'll start with you. We've got Alabama, San Diego State, Creighton, Princeton. Uh, what do you think about this region? Who do you think advances? I I mean, you got to like Alabama. What, you know, they've been able to really kind of control their destiny. They've come in into it pretty easily. Uh, I love Princeton. You know, I look back – Probably 10, 12 years ago when Princeton went on a little bit of a run. I think they got to the Sweet 16. Um, the backdoor cut. Yeah, and it's just like yeah. these are the Lefty teams. Grisell, right? Lefty Grisell, it, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> you're you're the uh, college basketball aficionado. But, uh, you know, you, you look a lot uh, like a lot of these, these lower-tier teams. Like no one's – they're not getting the, the pub. They're not getting – you know, ESPN's not showing them. So they don't really know what to expect. And when these guys come out and they hit them in their mouth and, and Princeton's playing with speed, they're running all over the court and, um, and they can shoot the three and they play solid defense. So you cannot count them out. Uh, Creighton's another team that, that has been known to make some noise in the tournament. But I think yeah. if, if you look at you know the overall skill level, um, you, you got to like Alabama in there uh, to come out. And, and I do I think there will be another upset little foreshadowing uh, coming out of that region. Um, so, but we'll see. But I think Alabama's are, are probably the call, best team. Are you calling for Princeton in the Final Four? 
Maybe not that far, but uh, you'll see. You'll, <laughs> you'll still just, see. That's reckless speculation. Yeah, that's that's stuff. recklessly speculating. Right. We'll ne- you never know. We'll have to see uh, uh, foreshadowing. Brandon, Brandon, what do you think out of the South? We got Alabama, San Diego State, Creighton, and Princeton. Man, I don't want to be cliche here, but I'm I'm gonna have to go chalk. I really like way Creighton's been playing lately, um, and Alabama. Of course, I picked them to win it all, so I'm, I'm not going against them right now. As long as Brandon Miller is still playing, uh, those guys are in good shape. Unfortunately, um, yeah, I I think Creighton's got a chance, but yeah, it's hard to go against Alabama right now. Raj, what do you think? Um, Creighton. There's a reason why that spread's nine and a half, and it's because they're a much better, more natural matchup for Princeton than Mizzou and Arizona. Um, they can play, you know, at the same tempo. Uh, they can cover the back door, which, you know, that constantly moving motion, uh, positionless offense, a lot of picks on and off the ball. Um, Creighton does a lot of the same stuff. So I think Princeton's run ends here um they'll no longer be uh underestimated and you know they've got a a week to be prepared for uh the other game you got a team that's i think 263rd in the country in san diego state in possessions per game i believe 66 and then alabama who's going to be at like top five 77 to 80 possessions per game uh but just too much talent on that alabama team uh, they're winning by an average of 21 and a half points. I think they are rolling right now and uh, contrasting styles again, but you got to go Bama right now, yeah. man. They, they look good. So, so let me keep you on the screen here, Ross, because I want to take you to the West where I think the champion comes out of this bracket. Um, we got Gonzaga, UCLA, Arkansas, and UConn. What do you think? How do you think this shakes out? Oof. Um, people remember two years ago, Gonzaga won with Jalen Suggs over UCLA on a buzzer beater. Um, right now, UCLA is one and a half point favorite. And even though they're missing Jalen Clark, it's because of their defense. And this is a more defensive oriented team. It is a more physical team, whereas Gonzaga is not nearly as physical as they were when they had Kispert and Timmy. Um, I think UCLA is a little bit too athletic. I like the Tiger-Campbell matchup, and uh, Jaquez is just nobody on Gonzaga can really match up with him. So based on their defense, I'm going to go with UCLA. Um, Do do you give Cronin a matchup over a few? No, but, uh, you know, Cronin's 3-6 and against USC, but I think UCLA presents more matchup problems, and – Cronin is obviously a, a massively defensive-oriented coach. So it's just one of those things where I see the stars aligning better for the Bruins. Um, in the other game, I you know, you got to like UConn, another veteran team. Uh, while Arkansas has got uh, Anthony Black and Nick Smith Jr., the freshman, their older guys, Council and uh, Devontae Davis, have led them through the first couple rounds. But UConn is uh, just – a beast right now. They're a four-point favorite. Uh, Sonogo is 24 for 33 from the field in the first two games, 52 points and 21 boards. 
There's nobody on Arkansas that can match up with him. He's going to be the problem. I I think UConn's better. I think Musselman may be the best modern or best current NCAA tournament coach out there. Yeah, Um, keep your shirt on, bro. Like, yeah, Brandon, we'll go to you. They're done there now. This Uh, yeah, we'll we'll stay up there. I I like UConn right now. The way they're playing. not much else to be said for me. Uh, again, I haven't watched a whole lot of uh, Arkansas play. I know they did well uh, in the SEC tournament, but um, yeah, I, I like uh, I like UConn there, and I'm struggling with UCLA because of their their injury. But they've been showing out, like Raj said. I mean, they're a physical team, and that one's a toss up for me. I mean, obviously Vegas has got them favored. I had picked Gonzaga originally, but I'm starting to doubt that a little bit. Um, Tom, what about you? I I like experience and and seeing where UCLA's been. Uh, and and like Raj said, uh, Campbell's a hell of a point guard. And in in this tournament, I think the key to success is having great guard play. Um, as you see what's going on in Michigan State. But I like UCLA here. Um, I like the fact that they're experienced. They, they went on a run, you know, last year. And I, I think that, that, you know, they still have that taste in their mouth. But going up against Gonzaga and Timmy, who's experienced as well, that's going to be a battle. But uh, like Raj said, the athleticism of UCLA, I think uh, they get into, a, uh, you know, a shooting match back and forth. I think UCLA comes out on top. All right, Tom, quickly on the bracket no one cares about. We have <laughs> Houston, Miami, Xavier, Texas. Who do you like? Well, I mean, Houston not having um, their their guard 100%. I'm not too sure if 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 they'll be able to withstand. Miami's got kind of a, a running gun type of offense. And then Texas has just kind of, you know, been skinning by – Barely got by Penn State. Uh, what are they, you know, after their coach debacle? They've been kind of up and down. So um, it'll be interesting. And Xavier barely gets gets by Pitt. You know, first half struggles. Uh, then they pull it out. So I guess looking at that one, um, I'll take Texas coming out of there. I mean, I, I think they're the more complete team. Um, if, if what's his name from Houston, if... If uh, Marcus Sasser was was I'm trying to pull my inner Raj. I, I I'm just not as good as he is. Uh, uh, if Sasser was healthy, right, that's enough from you, Brandon. Brandon, two words. You want Houston, Miami, Xavier, Texas. You have two words. Which ones? <laughs> Texas, Miami. All right, Raj. You have two words. This is going to be almost impossible for you. <laughs> Only two words. Miami. Houston, Xavier, Texas. Same, Brandon. All right. Oh, my God. Hey, yes. that, that, hey that's whenever a lawyer says, I got one more question. They never have one more question. <laughs> that, hey, that, that's, 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 hey, that's the gold star of the show right now. All right. So now. Oh, shoot. Pick. I don't know. Where... Now, oh, go ahead. Now we're going to move on to um, the preposterous uh salaries of the world we have roger goodell has allegedly signed a new um five to six year contract with the nfl owners 
For those of you who don't know, Roger Goodell was, according to the New York Times, was making $63.6 million per year for overseeing this billion-dollar empire. Uh, multi, I guess, 32 times over billion-dollar empire. Um, so, Raj, you've done some contracts in your life. Uh, what do you think the over-under is on this 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 salary that he's going to get? Dude, I honestly have no idea. His track record, there's been some controversy, but, I mean, like you said, billions and billions of dollars. Lately, it's turning over a lot of money as well. You had the Broncos sale, the Panthers sale, and soon the Commanders sale. Uh, Overall, you you know, look, you got a CBA done in 2020 between the NFLPA and the owners, which was not easy to do. Finally, he navigated them through COVID, and the NFL did not miss one single scheduled game. He's got everything in his favor. They're going to write a check for him, blank check. And I can't believe I'm about to say this, but, I mean, you and I talk about money and valuation, and as of right now, he deserves it. I just can't believe I said that too. Like first the two words thing, and now that I, I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't think you were going to say that. I did not. I did not expect that. Um, I just I, no. I'm not saying I disagree with you. I just didn't think you were going to say that. I feel nauseous inside. I don't know what to feel right now. It just doesn't. Uh, to your point, though, you made some great points. That they went through COVID and they said we're going to play and we're going to fill these TV contracts and look, Amazon, Amazon paid them a billion dollars for the shitty Thursday night game. They were all just like, of course we watch it, but why we don't want to watch it. We just do. Um, Can't even change it during commercials to like reruns of the office. You know, we still watch it. Awful games. So, so so, and more to your point, you take in the Broncos were maybe worth a, maybe a billion to now worth 4 billion. And, I don't, I don't understand it. Hardly many people understand it. The difference between a billion to a million, and the difference between having a five billion dollar toy to paying two billion, two million for a commissioner, like that—that's the equivalent of us dropping a penny. You know, it's, it's hard to grasp. Uh, Brandon, what were your thoughts on this? These negotiations. He's. He's coming back. We've had problems with Goodell many times. What are your What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's he's been the whipping boy for the NFL owners for you know going on a decade or however many years he's been in office. Uh, but he just keeps getting the job done, and the NFL just keeps getting bigger profits. I mean, how can you fire a guy or not pay him what what he's asking or what he wants? when he's just hand over fist handing you money. Um, <clears throat> like Raj said, it pains me to say, but he, I agree. I mean, he deserves it, I guess. So it's, it's a, it's a tough one for me to swallow. Cause I'm not a good. So, fan. so, so we, we talked about this on text over under a hundred million dollars a year. What do you under, think he's getting under 
Uh, I'd say it's under. I'd say he's probably around 80 to 90 range. Man, that's, that's a lot of money. Um, yeah. Tom, Tom, as a, you're a fan of a whipping board of the NFL, uh, I mean, that's a lot of money. And are you – are like part of me gets it, but part of me is also like, man, I could do that job for like – $2 million a year. Well, I mean, from what I gather, it's going to be incentive-laden as well. So I, I think that'll all have something to do with TV contracts. But really, he has pushed the the brand beyond our borders here. He's really emphasized bringing football into Europe, uh, which I still think that there will be a um, – an NFL team in London, perhaps, within the next probably five to ten years. So he's really pushed that effort. There's been a lot more games played there. Uh, and then you just go down to the TV contracts, the billions and billions that, that these networks spend for for just the TV rights like we just spoke about, you know, Amazon yeah. paying a billion for a garbage product. And you, um, YouTube's paying – I forgot what YouTube's paying, but something ridiculous. DirecTV was paying. I think they paid six or seven billion just to have the rights, and they had the right. They had the Sunday ticket for twenty five years, and I'm, unfortunately, I'm pretty disappointed because I was an avid uh, uh, member of the Sunday Ticket Club almost every year. So I'll have to switch over to YouTube. But I mean, he's really pushed that, and and you know, I agree with everyone. He he's really focused on pushing the NFL. It's not just a you know a seasonal sport. It's year-round. You have the combine is a huge thing. Then you have the schedule release, and then the draft is massive. It's going to be here in Detroit next year. So it's just – and I think this is, this is, this is a product of his really right. market, marketing, you know, the league. So, 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 wait, hold so, so just so I understand, let's assume he's getting paid $80 million a year moving forward. We're y'all are all in agreement that that's a justified salary. Look at look at the the money that the NFL brings in. It's it's insane. I, 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 I Eighty know, million it, it, per you know what hundred two hundred billion that they they make worldwide between merchandise and and look at I mean Tom Brady even said it when he played in Germany. He said this is. I've played in Super Bowls that weren't this crazy, and and it just there's there's a huge demand for football, and, I, I, and he's I the get, reason. I get all that. I'm just saying, couldn't you get someone to do it for ten million? Mm. I, 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 I just don't know if that hard of a job, but nonetheless, <laughs> all right. So speaking of NFL and owners and how they work, Lamar Jackson is on the market. I'll talk about his failures first. One, he has no agent. He has no PR firm. Uh, he has no lawyers, self-plug. Um, he has no one working for him that should be working for him. On the flip side, he is a NFL MVP. He is getting zero offers. Um, what we're going to talk about here is the big C word, collusion, because what – may be happening is the Browns, as we all know, the Haslam family owns the Browns. They gave Deshaun Watson $200 million something and change, guaranteed, fully guaranteed. The NFL hates that. They hate guaranteed contracts. 
No one else has ever given given a guaranteed contract. That's what Deshaun or uh, Lamar Jackson wants. He's not getting phone calls back from the NFL teams. Uh, I don't know if it's by chance, collusion, or whatever, but it seems fishy. Raj, I'll go to you first. What do you think about this? It, it certainly does provide a sort of justification by the NFL and the owners that he doesn't have – like, hey, this isn't collusion. We The guy doesn't even have an agent. He's got his mom. He, he doesn't have a PR firm. Like you said, he doesn't oh, have an attorney. Oh, wait, 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 um, wait, 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 wait. Let, me, let, me, let me throw a caveat on. So from the NFL and the PA's agreement, you cannot talk to a player direct. You can only talk to a player directly or an agent authorized by the PA uh, association. So you can't talk to family members. You can't talk to indirect agents. So this is kind of where I think Lamar is kind of screwing himself. But go ahead. Sorry. What do you believe? Know there's rules out there. Absolutely. And what is his strategy, in your opinion? I mean, his strategy is thinking. I should get what Deshaun Watson got. And uh, look, there's only one dumb owner that's going to do that. And why no agent? Is it because he wants that extra percentage or do he wants to be disarming to teams? Like why? Now that's a good question. All I've ever heard is that he's just like, uh, there's no need for an agent. Um, and that's okay. When you're talking about your rookie contract, because your rookie contract scaled, like there's no negotiation. I get that. But now you're talking about big boy money and you need agents, you need lawyers, you, you need these people. Like, this industry doesn't exist for no reason. No, absolutely. And, you know, for those that are unaware, by collusion, you basically mean like amongst the owners and teams, there's an unwritten agreement or a deceitful agreement to kind of bring down Lamar Jackson's value and trade demands and. And sort of a knee-jerk reaction to, like you said, what the morons did with Deshaun Watson, which makes a lot of sense overall. Um, and like I said, you know, without an agent, without, you know, they can kind of hide behind that. Like, look, hey, we're, we're trying here. We're talking to him. He doesn't have official representation, et cetera. I'm, I mean, I don't know how this is going to play out, though. Now he's saying that he doesn't necessarily want guaranteed money. Uh, but, you know, he's going to want up to 200 mil and, you know, a guy with five big injuries in five years. Um, you know, you are the practicing attorney. Would you call this collusion? I, I know in effect, but do you think there's an intent there by the owners just based on recklessly speculating? Or is it just kind of the byproduct of the market and what's going on? <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about it individually first. That's the important part. Individually, none of the 32 owners, or 31 owners, the Haslam's are thrown out there. None of the 31 owners want to guarantee contracts. They are solidified in that thought. Now, do they think that together? I don't know, and how do you prove that? But I can tell you the reason that Deshaun Watts or uh, uh, Lamar Jackson has not got this any kind of contract offer is because they are all thinking the Haslam's did something really stupid 
because they're desperate. And we are not falling into that trap, and none of us are, because if the second person falls in, and so, look, you have Herbert, Burrow, um, who are the other young kids? Uh, uh, Herbert Burrow, uh, Jalen Hurts. You have, you have those guys. If they all see sharp blood in the water, guaranteed contracts, they're all going to want that. And then, no, the owners, that's the, that's the terrifying thing. So, no, they will all let Lamar Jackson sink and swim before they all get caught up in, oh, yeah, no, yeah, we're going to start paying people 10 years for $300 million. No, that's not going to happen. Even though they're the richest owners in professional sports, they have the best collective bargaining agreement because NFL players can't play that long. And they have no leverage, and there's no other counterpart. Part. There's, they wear helmets. Like for everyone that loves the NFL, and I, I love it as much as anyone else does. Uh, if you want to talk about, you know, players' rights and players' freedoms, they don't play that game. It's look, Magic Johnson is one of the richest black athletes that's ever lived. He is trying to buy the commanders. He's having to partner with a multi, multi, multi billionaire Canada to just try to buy them. It's it's a uneven playing field. Um, and so I just went off topic there, but yeah, no, and and this is also a bit off topic, but rhetorically speaking, the NFL can kind of move on because it's Lamar Jackson. Could you see him not playing? But what if it was, you know, a a golden boy sense prototypical quarterback like Joe Burrow, who could you see the NFL? Like I could see Lamar Jackson not getting any offers and the season moving forward. I could see him not playing next year because of this, if it came to that, whereas I feel like the action would be forced more so with maybe more of a prototypical. This is reckless speculation and I'm not playing any cards or insinuating anything else, but um, you, you know, he is not the prototypical quarterback. He is not – he doesn't do anything the way that most people do things. Uh, and, you know, this may be with him not having an agent or whatnot, but, you know, if neither side budges, then what? He just sits? Well, I guess the Ravens did sign the non-exclusive. Um, They'll franchise tag him, yeah. They, yeah, they did. And, and my apologies there, but I just can't believe there hasn't been more action on this because – you know, two years ago, you would have people were dreaming of this day. You know, they were going to throw anything at him. And like you said, with Watson, you know, you got a guy who wasn't even playing at the time, suspended for a year, with obviously questionable more character, getting the biggest contract in history. Then what are these guys going to get? You know, when we put it back in context, and I don't know how this is going to play out. I really don't. If it gets franchise tagged, then. The same shit happens next year, right? Well, no. It, it, if he does get a contract, no, it it is collusion. I mean, it is. I mean, the, yeah. like the owners, the owners came get him and said, "No, we can't pay an NFL MVP uh, guaranteed money. We just can't." I mean, because yeah, that's just, just going to happen. I mean, it's it's sad, but it is. Tom Brandon, what are you guys' thoughts on him? We can go four screen. I, I mean, I think 
Baltimore offered him a massive contract last year that that would have paid him more than you know what Kyler Murray got, more guaranteed money than Kyler Murray got. And I, and, and I think Baltimore is just looking at it as, has he completed a full season since he's been there? Yeah, he was MVP. Yeah, he's won them a lot of games, and they probably would have gone a little bit further this year you know, barring, you know, that injury that he had, that how injured was he? You know, I think he was trying to prove a point. Um, but, you know, we won't well, speculate well, there. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Though. He's never got to a physical for another team. Like, they're not no. concerned about his injury. It's just a contract. Yeah. That's that's the kind of the... I, I think I think other, te- other teams are probably a bit leery about his, his um, what his demands are and his... His availability, we'll say, for an entire season. All right. All right, Brandon, the Titans haven't had a quarterback in a long time. What do you think about them making an offer to Lamar Jackson? It'd be the end of his career if that happens. <laughs> uh, who's going to protect him? You think he's injury prone now? Wait till he's running around in circles and gets hit, sacked nine times a game. I mean, that's not going to happen, and I don't want that to happen for him. I want to see him do well, but – Again, like I think you hit the nail on the head. This is a tipping point in the NFL where they are putting their foot down, the owners saying, we're not giving guaranteed money like the Haslam's. Like they they lit a fire that needs to be put out. And unfortunately, it starts with Lamar. Um, and I, I just think that's what's going on. And you know, he's a great player and I think he'll he'll do fine. That he'll end up back with um, the Ravens, and I think they'll end up coming to a deal before it goes any further after the, this year's tag. Well, I would say if I was the Players Association, I would say, look, we're going to front this a- agent's cost, and we're going to negotiate on his behalf because he's he's doing a terrible PR job. Because I mean, that's not his job. And it's no knock on Lamar. Lamar's job is not to be an attorney. He's not to be a contract person. He's not to be a PR person. But this looks bad on his behalf that no one wants him, and now he's he's like, well, oh, I demand $200 million, and now no one's giving him anything. Yeah, it's a lack of rep- representation. I think he's trying to come into teams with open arms saying, look, it's just me. I'm trying to be real. This is, you know, I'm not giving an agent, you know, trying to get money for my agent or do anything of that nature. And it's just going all wrong for him. I mean, you got to have representation. Go ahead. Um, last thought. Uh, just quickly, any team that matches yeah. that, uh, they have to give up two first-round picks, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that may be a reason why, you know. That's a big like reason. Another, but like Tom's point, I mean, he had a contract that was pretty daggum good on the table, but he wanted more. So now here's what more looks like. Yeah. Um, all right. Anyone watch the World Baseball Classic? No. All right. Highlights. Tom, what do you, what'd you think about it? I I thought it was excellent. Um, the world got to really see uh, the best baseball players, um, and I I think yesterday's game just kind of was the the tournament in a nutshell. Japan, unbelievable pitching, um, 
great defense. Uh, just played all good. Right, that's enough. Yeah. Now, but okay, that's they, enough. The, but the matchup at the end, Trout mattered. Trout versus Otani. I swear, no, you watched. I didn't care about yeah. Yeah, it was great. As a baseball fan, I loved it. I loved Merrill it. Kelly uh, started for Team USA in the championship hey, game. Uh, I saw, I saw, the, I saw the last pitch on PTI today. Yeah, that that, that was that matchup yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah, all right. That could have right. been the enough, whole thing. Enough, We're enough good. Baseball, t- enough baseball talk on re- reckless speculation. Let's bet you nuts. Get the, get the pro. It's time for bet your nuts. All right, bet your nuts section. This is where you guys benefit on our expertise expertise to get rich. So we have uh, three wise guys and then me, the expert. <laughs> so everyone pop on screen. And what we got here is we got this weekend's update. Usually, usually I'm on NASCAR, but luckily... Uh, Tennessee's in the Sweet 16, so uh, I'll do a little bit of a diversion this week. Tom has also been kind of hot on NASCAR. Uh, we'll, we'll start with Brandon, though, down there. Brandon, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to go to the Sweet 16 Midwest, um, Texas and Xavier. Texas is favored four and a half. Like I said, I've liked them this whole tournament. Um I think they're a better team than Xavier, especially after watching the uh, tournament where Texas beat up on um, Kansas pretty good. So I like this matchup for Texas. I like minus four and a half. Uh, Raj, what do you like? I'm going to go with, uh, even though they're very similar, the Marcus Sasser not being 100%. I'm going with senior guards and the Miami Hurricanes getting seven points, which I think is too many. Um, I may even look at money line on this game. Love that. All right, Tom, what do you have? Please <laughs> yeah. tell me you have some god dang sense. You uh, you looked a little mystified. I, I too, was going to take uh, Miami uh, plus seven, but uh, I'm going to go with the, you know, I foreshadowed it earlier. Uh, give me the... Princeton Tigers, not only to cover, I'm going to take Princeton with the money line. I like them. This is reckless speculation. They're not going to make it to the Final Four. But let's get them to the Elite Eight anyhow. I, this nine and a half, I like their rolling good. Give me the Tigers plus nine and a half with the money line. Book it. I've never been more embarrassed in a panel than I've seen tonight. <laughs> Look, guys. Oh, here we go. on the Vols. Vols are going to win. We saved um, that one for you. And then take that take that money. Take that. If you've been 100, 1,000. If you have chain money, if you want to bet 100,000. <laughs> I, I, I did have my background in the bottom of his basement, but I changed it to a <laughs> – default uh, poor person's room. Oh, yeah, right. um, Says the guy right leaving here. for New York City but tomorrow. <laughs> right. If, uh, if you guys want to really bet money, so the Chevy cars are hot. Um, I wouldn't mind Austin Dillon. Let's see what he's doing. Austin Dillon. Oh, 
Austin Dillon's eighty to one. So yeah, I like Austin Dillon. But anyways, bet the balls. Balls gonna go to the, uh, Elite Eight, and then uh, yeah, I'll be from Houston next week. <laughs> um, anyways, all right. All right. So final thoughts, uh, Ross. We'll start with you, dude. Uh, just crazy weekend. Uh, what was funny to me was Princeton being a fifteen beating a two in Arizona who back in the day in 93 was a two who lost to the 15 Santa Clara. Um, This was an era when that stuff never happened. And up until UMBC beating uh, Virginia that we talked about earlier. um, Now, you know, FDU is arguably the biggest upset of all time. This is a team that lost their championship game to Merrimack who came up from D2, and there's some stupid rule where you have to wait four years. Um, by point spread, they were 23.5 point underdogs, biggest spread of all time for somebody to come back and win. Um, you know, Purdue was a crappy number one. We all know that except for you. Um, Matt Painter and them, this is their third straight year losing to a double-digit seed. Uh, but, no, I mean, you got to say, in my opinion, this was the Biggest upset in NCAA tournament history. Uh, Tom, yeah, I, I I agree with you on that one. It was incredible to watch. But um, a little programming note: my final words. <clears throat> As many of you guys know, um, I used to do a podcast with our good buddy Rich Jasper, the Easy Speak at Speakeasy Three Thirty. Well, starting this Sunday, it is back on with two new hosts. Um, so we'll be broadcasting. I will broadcast it right on this uh, page as well. So um, look for the shenanigans of Rich and myself and uh, our good buddy JP and Drew. So we're going to talk some local Detroit sports, Michigan sports, and we're going to hit on national stuff too. Talk about beer. We're going to get Jonathan Danger on. Talk about, uh, what about NASCAR. Uh, NASCAR probably will be talked about as well. So, um, <laughs> but uh, we got some fun stuff in the works. So look for that um, Sunday. It should be a weekly thing. Um, uh, but yeah, the easy speaks back new look, uh, two new hosts, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and I fully expect you guys to be part of it, uh, as well. So look for invites, uh, down the line to make sure you guys come on and, uh, uh, bring your expertise. All right, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, crazy weekend or in March madness. I mean, March does not disappoint. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to these matchups with the uh, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. Uh, this, again, I don't watch a lot of basketball, but, man, I'm glued to my seat uh, during March. So, uh, looking forward to the fun. Thank you, guys, all. Uh, yeah, I'm heading to, to New York in the morning, and then uh, we'll see how this goes. The Sweet 16, hopefully the Elite Eight, and then um, – yeah, spend the money to go to Houston the next weekend if I have to. But uh, if they lose to it, FAU, will this be the most painful loss in Tennessee history? <laughs> I had to oh, go. No, we, we have many, many of those things. Um, <laughs> it's always the uh, next Loy- loss is the most Loyola, painful. Chicago, Loyola, Loyola, Chicago, whoever, whenever we lost that first round. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, no, uh, yeah no. Uh, I don't know, dude. This sets up pretty nicely, bro. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, and yeah, if y'all can just hope hope for the best, and then uh, yeah, we'll be back here next 
Wednesday or Thursday, depending on what our week is. Uh, Thursday. We've got some new reckless speculation likes and subscriptions. So please look down and hit those buttons. And then, um, yeah, we got this. Then we got the, the Final Four. Then the Masters. Then we got you know baseball coming up. So a lot of good, good, good talk topics coming up here. And keep with us. And uh, yeah. Keep you entertained. Good night. Have a good good week, guys. We'll see you next week. Gonzaga, UCLA, too. Thanks wow, for listening tomorrow. to another episode of Reckless Speculation. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube searching Reckless Speculation. Catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to catching you right here next week with another exciting episode of Reckless Speculation. Cheers. Cheers.